Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. And collectively with one mind and one accord, just lift up the name of Jesus with everything we have right now. Just all over the building, let's just magnify him. God, I love you, Jesus. There's a song that says, I searched all over, couldn't find nobody. I looked high and low, still couldn't find nobody. Nobody greater, nobody greater than you, Lord. There's nobody greater, nobody bigger. There's no enemy stronger, no principality higher than our God. And I'm so grateful so grateful good to see pastor scott bless you sir amen let's give it up for the churches who came out to the section five overflow rally amen 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 thank you so much for coming again uh good to see pastor scott from sullivan indiana it's good to see pastor gill from medora Man, amen. Good to see Brother Tryon from Bedford. I appreciate all the leadership that he has been and all the work that he's been able to do in the last couple years. And I thank him for for helping us so much. Man, I'm very glad that Brother Hirsch has uh, agreed to take that over and uh, deal with all of my eccentricities. And uh, I'll tell you what, a... Uh, they say a leader is only as good as his team. And uh, I, I definitely don't count myself a great leader, but I do have a great team. Amen. And I'm very thankful for that. I'm very thankful for this home church, First Apostolic Church here, for hosting us tonight, allowing us to have the conference here, this uh, overflow rally here tonight. Amen. Give honor to Pastor McGee and his lovely wife. Amen. And the Masons, thank you so much for all the work you guys do. I appreciate you. Inevitably, they get a call or a text about two weeks before camp asking if they can run the uh, altar call of the day services, and they're always so great to help. And I'm, I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for people who will step up and work in the kingdom of God. Amen. If you have your Bibles, if you'll turn to... 1 Samuel chapter 17, starting at verse 1, 1 Samuel 17 and 1. Thankful for my lovely wife who's here tonight helping me. So grateful. I, I, I could not do it without her. And uh, I, I, am, I am blessed and highly favored because of my wife. Grateful that those two little kids are with us. Sweet little bundles of joy. Reese and Keisha. 
They're such cool little kids. I'm glad God has put them in our lives and uh, put us in theirs. Amen. First Samuel chapter 17, starting at verse 1. It's an old story that we've heard countless times. And the uh, Bible says there's nothing new under the sun, so I don't think I'm going to give anything new tonight. But I do want to talk a little bit about uh, something that I believe God has placed on my heart. It says, Now the Philistines gathered together their armies to battle and were gathered together at Soko, which belongeth to Judah, and pitched between Soko and Azekah in Ephrath. Go ahead to that second verse there. And Saul and the men of Israel were gathered together and pitched by the valley of Elah and set in the battle in the ray against the Philistines. And the Philistines stood on the mountain on one side, and the Israelites stood on the mountain. The Israel stood on the mountain of the other side, and were a valley between them. And there went a champion out of the camp of the Philistines named Goliath of Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span. And he had a helmet of brass upon his head, and it was armed with the coat of mail. And the weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of brass. And he had, uh, he had greaves of brass upon his legs and a target of brass between his shoulders. And the staff, his, the staff of his spear was like a weaver's beam. And the spear's head weighed 600 shekels of iron. And one bearing a shield went before him. Dropping down to verse 26. And David spake to the men and stood by him, saying, What shall be done from this man that killeth this Philistine and taketh away the reproach from Israel? For who is the uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Dropping down again to verse 45. Then said David to the Philistine, Thou comest to me with a sword and a spear, and a shield, but I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied. Tonight I'd like to title this message for your remembrance. Don't sweat the small stuff. Don't sweat the small stuff. Pastor, would you pray? Amen. Thank you so much. You can be seated tonight. Five hundred years ago, Mikel de Montaigne said, Life, my life has been filled with terrible misfortune, most of which never happened. A recent study looked into how many of our imagined calamities never materialize. And in this, sub, and in this study, subjects were asked to write down their worries over an extended period of time. 
and then identify which of their imagined misfortunes did not actually happen. In his book, The End of Stress, John or Don Joseph Goway states that 85% of the subjects worried never or worried about never happened. And with the 15% that did, the 79% of the subjects discovered either they could have handled it differently and they could have handled it better than expected or the difficulty taught them a lesson worth learning. This means that 97% of what you worry over is not much more than a fearful mind punishing you with exaggerations and misrepresentations. According to the Anxiety and Depression Association of America, anxiety disorders are the most common mental illness in the U.S., affecting 40 million adults in the United States, states ages 18 and older or 18.1% of the population every year. Anxiety disorders are, the high, are highly treatable, yet only 36% of those suffering receive treatment. People with an anxiety disorder are three times more likely to go to the doctor and six times more likely to be hospitalized for psychiatric disorders than those who do not suffer from anxiety disorders. Anxiety disorders develop from a complex set of risk factors, including genetics, brain chemistry, personality, and life events. <coughs> Going back to the story that I referenced in the beginning, we see David. David comes and he sees this massive man standing before him. Everyone else calls him a giant. Everyone else calls him the, the giant who will destroy Israel. But if you read this, David never refers to him as a giant. David never acknowledges to himself, to his enemy, or to those around him that this man is too big for his problem. In fact, he goes to the point of saying that he's just another uncircumcised Philistine and that he comes with a shield and a sword, but he comes to him in the name of God. So we've got this man here who standing before this giant, this huge man, and if you look at that, those cubits, it, it translates, they say that he was anywhere from, from 8 to 12 feet tall, Goliath was. Standing, overpowering and overtowering this man who was probably in his around five foot tall, maybe five foot three or five foot four. But never one time did David look and say that he's a giant because he understood that there was a God on his side and anything that stands against him, he's got the ability to defeat. The title of my message tonight is Don't Sweat the Small Stuff. What we've got to understand is that the devil may come to you looking like he's bigger than he really is. And the devil might uh, approach you thinking that he's, that he's got something to, that can tear you down. But you have got to realize and understand that the enemy is not here because he has any power over you. But everything that he's got is smoke and mirrors. And everything that he brings before you 
is just illusion. <clears throat> Deuteronomy 31 and 6 says, Be strong and be of good courage. Fear not and be not, nor be afraid of them. For the Lord thy God, he is that, excuse me, I'm sorry. Mighty God. Can we do something for a minute? I have been, I'm going to get a little transparent with y'all for just a minute. This past week, I have faced some adversity. This past month, I've faced some adversity. And I've had the enemy come against me like a flood. And so when I'm praying and seeking God for the message tonight, this thought just kept running over in my mind. Don't sweat the small stuff. Don't sweat the small stuff. And it's because I, God wanted me to stand up here tonight and proclaim, maybe even not to you, but he gave me this forum so that I could stand up here tonight and I could look the devil in the eye and let him know that I don't have to sweat the small stuff. And I'm going to go a little step further and say that with God, it's all small stuff. With God, all things are possible. You don't need to let the devil defeat you. The only way the devil is going to win in your life is if you let him. The only way that Goliath could overtake David, the only way that Goliath could overtake the nation of Israel is if they let him. He came to them with a sword and with a shield and with training. You've got a five foot tall nothing kid coming up with five stones and it takes down a giant. Why? Because when you go out into this world, you don't go by yourself. When you go out into this world, you don't go just with you, but you carry something with you. And it's time that when the devil comes up, we got to let him know. I'm not sweating the small stuff. I'm not sweating the small stuff. Because there's no enemy that can come against me. There's no enemy that can come against me that cannot be defeated if I'm on the Lord's side. Mighty God. I had to get that out of the way. David didn't come facing anxiety. He didn't come with a spirit of anxiety on him. He didn't come into it going, oh, man, I don't know if I can make it. But man, you see how big that giant is? You, you, see, that, you see that spear he has? I got a... I gotta, Weaver's beam at home that's the same size as that spear. That shield's so big, there's one guy carrying that shield itself. That dude dragging that shield up? How can I fight that? How can I face that? How can I stand against the enemy that's so great 
and so powerful. How can one man stand against the enemy with that kind of resources? Listen, I've said those exact same things. How can I, how can I fight an enemy like this? I don't have the strength. I don't have the power. You had an entire nation of Israel, of men who trusted in God or said that they trusted in God, but it took one boy, one little shepherd to stand up and say, you got to understand that it's not you that's fighting the enemy, but it's God that has went before you. The Bible talks about giants before the flood. And those giants were a combination of uh, angels who had fallen from heaven. And they had mated with humans. And there were these giants in the land. The Bible says that there were sons of God and daughters of men. And out of them came giants. The Bible says that God took care of those in the flood. But then if you look after the flood, you'll still find giants. And so I was praying about that to God. I said, God, why if you took care of all those giants in the flood, then why are there still giants? And then this is what God told me. Every one of those giants came from the offspring of Noah. Every one, of those, every one of those giants came from the offspring of Noah. So it wasn't giants that the enemy created. It was the giants that were created in our own lives. <coughs> see, when, see, when the enemy comes against you, the Bible says that God raises a standard against him. Raises a standard against the enemy. But all too often we got giants in our own lives that we've created giants that we've made and that we've formed with our own thoughts and our own actions and you know who has to fight those giants we do David had to kill that giant but he had the strength to do it see the enemy will come against you and he'll bring giants against you that you never brought that you never created that you never did anything about you're trying to live your life trying to be a good saint of God, trying to do what's right, trying to live your life the way you should, and a giant comes against you, trying to throw you off track. But if you will stand firm, and if you will hold true to God's unchanging hand, then not you, but he will destroy that giant. He'll destroy that giant that the enemy brings against you. But there's still me. And I'm the biggest enemy that I face. And there's sometimes that I give the devil way too much credit for the things that I've done. I blame the devil because I ran, a ga ran out of gas as I passed by four gas stations. All right. Devil's been attacking my finances. I don't have hardly any money to give an offering or pay tithe at church. You see my new shoes? Ain't they nice? You know? 
we create our own giants. And then we want God to take care of them. And he says, hey, you made those giants. So what do I do about those giants that I've created? You realize that God created all of heaven and earth with his very speech? And he already said that he's given us the full armor of God. One for offense, the shield, the breastplate of righteousness, the helmet of truth. He's given us everything that we need offensively for when the enemy comes in. But he gave us one tool for defense. Our one defensive tool, and it's our sword. Sharper than any two-edged sword, the word says. And you know what this is for? This is for fighting the battles that we've created. This is for fighting the giants that we create. And we've got to understand that in this right here, we have more power than any enemy can stand against. We've got more power in this hand. We've got more power in this book than in anything that the devil can stand against us. And so we're looking at our giants, both the ones that come against us from the enemy and the ones that we create ourselves. And if we will understand that in the sight of God, they're nothing more than moles standing before us. They are small, they are insignificant, and they are easily defeated. But we have allowed ourselves to believe that they're big and they're powerful and we can't overcome them. But if you will apply this word, like David said, thy word have I hid in my heart, then I will not sin against you if I can take that word and put it into my heart. When the enemy comes in, when I come against myself, I've got the ability to destroy it. We spend too much time wondering how we're going to make it through. Wondering how we're going to stand against the enemy. When the mountains seem so big, it's so big, how am I going to cross it? How am I going to make it over? How am I going to get through this valley? It's so big. Don't sweat the small stuff. God, I don't know how I'm going to make it. Don't sweat the small stuff. I don't know how I'm going to make it through. Don't sweat the small stuff. I don't know how I can do it on my own. You're not doing it on your own. Don't sweat the small stuff. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6. Be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known unto God. Be careful for nothing. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about where the next paycheck's coming from. 
Don't worry about where you're going to find your car payment. But be true to God and stay true to his word. And be faithful in the commandments that God has put before you. Prophet came to an old widow woman. Said, hey, give me something to drink. She gave him something to drink. Make me a cake. So I can't. I got enough to make one cake. Me and my boy are going to eat it. And then we're going to die. I felt low. All right, I felt low before. I felt like I didn't have any way out. But I never got to the place where I had enough to make one cake and two sticks to build a fire. And then I was going to die. I think my biggest problem is I've spent way too much time reaping the benefits of what generations have went before me and way too little time sacrificing before God. And then when I face trials and tribulations, hello? When I face problems in my life, I don't know how to handle them. Listen, we've, we've young people, we've spent too many times listening to really good music and juking and jiving. We've never known what it's like to be on sawdust floors and having to have church out in a tent somewhere because we didn't have a building. We don't know what it's like to have to worship to, one, to a three-string guitar. We've got the best music. We've got the best multimedia. We've got lights on our stage. We're happy about it. We can juke and jive whenever we want. But then when it comes right down to it, what are we getting from it? <clears throat> it was the sacrifice that brought about victory. It's the sacrifice that connected us to God. Not just the worship. It was the sacrifice that made that connection to God. How often have we sacrificed? How often have we sacrificed? Or are we reaping the benefits from our Father's sacrifice? I was recently talking to a missionary they were talking about going to an area and there were just a crazy amount of people that got baptized and got the Holy Ghost at a big conference over there and there were just thousands of people got the Holy Ghost. Ridiculous amount. 3,000 people or something got the Holy Ghost in one night. So what's the secret? We can have that over here. Why don't we see, I mean, why don't we see blinded eyes open? Why don't we see the deaf walk? Or why don't we see the, the deaf walk? Why don't, why don't we see the lame, the lame walk and the deaf hear? Why don't we see it? I was upset about it. I want to see it. I pray, God, why don't, we see, why don't we see blind people getting their sight at our church? Why aren't people getting out of the wheelchair at our church? You know what God told me? How many blind people you got going to your church? How many people in wheelchairs you got? How many, how many people in wheelchairs are you walking up and say, come to my church, you can get healed? I'll be very transparent with you. I saw three people this week in a wheelchair, and I didn't say one single thing about them getting up and walking out of their wheelchair. Just me being plain with you guys. 
God, I don't, I don't want to look like an idiot in front of those people. Don't sweat the small stuff. I don't want to look, I don't want to look peculiar. Don't sweat the small stuff. I don't want to put myself out there and Lord, I really don't want them to come to church and not get healed. Don't sweat the small stuff. 2 Timothy 1 and 17. For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Too many times we focus on fear. Too many times we focus on what we don't understand or what we think can't happen. Don't sweat the small stuff. Don't sweat the small stuff. Problems seem so huge to us. But to God, they're just small. To God, they're just small. And maybe it's just that, maybe it's just that we are so comfortable in taking care of things ourselves that we forget that there's a God who can do all things. You know, I uh, I want to I want to trust God for everything. I'm sure you do too. You want to trust God for everything. I work at IU. I trust them for a paycheck. And I trust the engineers at Honda to make sure that they built a reliable vehicle for my wife and kids to drive around in. And I trust the infrastructure of Indiana and while I'm here, Illinois, to make sure that the roads are good and the stoplights work. Some of you are going, mm, a little bit too much trust there. But I trust the manufacturers of this suit here make sure that when I move around, it's not going to rip on me or fall off. I'm not going to have some wardrobe malfunction while I'm up here. Trust, I trust in the maker of these suspenders. They're going to keep everything in place. I put so much trust in other things that if we're putting my trust into a pie chart I'm wondering how big that sliver is for God how big of a piece are you giving God bring up that scripture be careful for nothing bring that back up be careful for nothing be careful for nothing but in all things let me get it, let me get it, let me get it, let me get it. Philippians 4 and 6. Be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be made known to God. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about my suspenders. Don't worry about my car. Don't worry about those stoplights. Trust in God. 
If we spend a little less time trusting in the things of this world and a little more time devoting to God in prayer and putting our questions and our prayers in Him, we'll be a lot less worried about these things of this world and more concerned about those people getting up out of the wheelchair. Body God, this is not where I expected this to go tonight. Body God. I'd love to give to overflow. Love to give sacrificially. My kids gotta eat. I gotta get to Sonic after church. sweat the small stuff don't sweat the small stuff Rabbi Greenberg said this said my father said to put everything in perspective he would reminisce about his life starting with running away from the Germans at the age of 12 Surviving hardships in Russia, trying to cross the border at age 19 that cost him seven years of hard labor in Siberia. And he would turn to this Rabbi Greenberg and he would say, after getting a miraculous release from Russia in 1967 and arriving penniless in Israel, looking at a wonderful family we have today after all this I should worry this is what I like let God worry let God worry you realize that the Bible says that he knows the very hairs on your head I can tell you I've got a few less hairs now than I did this morning Hold on to it, bro. Hold on to it. I don't know how many hairs I got on my head. And I feel like I spend a lot of time worrying about me. But still, I don't know the hairs on my head. And I certainly don't keep track. And the ones that I lost this morning, I wasn't counting them. Bible says that God knows the very hairs on my head. If he knows the very hairs on my head, if he's that particular to keep a log of the ones that I lost this morning, if he's that particular that when I went to Great Clips the other day and I got my hair cut, he opened up his book and made a tally of how many I lost, Why do I worry? Why do you worry? Why do we worry about the small stuff? Why do we sweat the small stuff when to God it's all small stuff? It's all small stuff. I, you know, I, I realize, 
I realize that this is not some life-changing, eye-opening, you know, explosion that you're getting here. Don't sweat the small stuff. But it's those elemental things that we sometimes forget. We get so consumed with wanting to get something new and fresh out of the Bible that we got to understand that there's some elemental things that we have to reapply every once in a while. There's some of that old time stuff that we've got to keep reapplying to our lives. Listen, we're not one and done in this. We've got to keep reapplying it. Paul said, I die daily. What does that mean? Every single day I put my flesh under subjection because if not, then I will start to worry about things that God has never asked me to worry about. And I cannot do it better than him. I can't. And every time I try to fix my problems, I just mess them up that much more. Listen, the Bible says that I'm a vessel, right? You're a vessel, right? You ever seen a dish try to wash itself? You ever seen a dish try to wash itself? It don't work that well. We're dishes trying to wash ourselves. When there's a God saying, you're my vessel, I'll make sure you're clean. Just allow yourself to be given over to me. Blows my mind these cats out there saying, man, I'll come to church when I get my life right. Well, you'll die lost. I can't get myself right before I come to God. That's crazy like a turkey trying to cook itself just don't work don't sweat the small stuff don't sweat the small stuff there's a Jewish term bitachon simply means trust in God According to Jewish Chronicle, means faith in an active sense, consciously placing the burden or one's concerns and worries on God and trusting that things will work out. I'm tired trying to solve it myself tired of worrying when it doesn't go right I'm ready I'm ready to give it over to God this is what I want to do I want us to stand up tonight <clears throat> we're here for overflow Man, I've, I'm so blessed compared to some other people. I'm so blessed compared to other people in this world who have so little. I remember a missionary by the name of Bishop Umbakumba. He was in Kenya, Africa in the 
early 90s. And uh, we were able to get some things together and I don't know, it was, a, it was around 30 Bibles that we were able to get from, from the Gideons. And we were able to give them to Bishop Pumbakumba to take home. And the look of, of joy that he got on his face, knowing that he was going to be able to take Bibles home to some young men in Africa, broke my heart. I've got, I've got tons of Bibles at my house that I haven't opened in a long time because I got my one or two that I really go to where I got my tablet that I scroll through and read. Let me tell you what overflow does. First of all, 25% of it goes back to the home district. 35% goes to AYC efforts in the U.S. and internationally. 5% goes to Bible quizzing, so people who don't have the money to get involved in a Bible quizzing can. 5% goes to Christian school scholarships. 15 goes to promotions. 5% goes to AY internships. 5% goes to a P7 clubs for high schools to help them start Bible classes at their local high schools. 5% goes to CMI, Campus Ministries International. We've got a CMI at Indiana University, and last semester we had eight Muslim students in our campus ministry that we were teaching about the name of Jesus Christ. We had one. Hallelujah. We had one. His name's Ahmed. And Ahmed came to Jordan Fry. And he told Jordan Fry that he quit going to mosque because he can't feel anything when he goes there. And he asked Jordan, he said, what does your God feel like? Let me tell you something. We're changing lives. When you give into the kingdom of God, you are changing lives. And you can say, you know what? I don't have that much to give. I don't have a lot to offer. But you don't need to sweat the small stuff. The Bible tells a story about a woman who had two bits to her name and she gave that two bits and because of that God, Jesus looked and said that this woman has given everything not because of the monetary amount that she gave but because the heart that she had when she gave. Now I'm not telling you to give everything you got tonight. Please understand that. But what I'm saying is that you need to make sure that whether it is your time or whether it is your money or whether it is your prayer or your fasting or or whether it is a Bible study that you teach, no matter where you are, you need to understand that even though it might feel insignificant to you, it is not insignificant to the kingdom of heaven. When the enemy comes against you, that's small stuff. But when you go out in the name of God and you work in the name of God and for his kingdom, it is not small. It is not minute. It is not without, without coming back, without reparations. When you give to God, he gives back. The Bible says good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. So this is what I want. This is what I want tonight. I want the, all, I want the ushers to come. 
And I want you to take your offering. And I want you to bring it. And it might feel small when you put that offering in that offering pan. It might feel little to you. But don't sweat it. Bible talks about the faith as a grain of mustard seed. It's interesting that the Bible uses seed. Because a seed is small. But it never stays small. When the gardener puts his hand on it. This is my seed. It's the only cash I got in my pocket. I'm going to plant it. And I'm not going to sweat it. It might feel small to me. But it's not small to God. And what I want you to do when when you put that money in there for your overflow. I want you to put it in there and I want you to release it into the kingdom. And know that God is going to plant that seed. Water the seed that you just planted. And then we're going to rejoice to God together for what he's done. Don't sweat the small stuff. Can we come tonight? Can we give in our offering and then begin to worship the Lord? Don't sweat the small stuff. It's not small to him. Your sacrifice isn't small to him. Your sacrifice isn't small to God. But it's great. Bible says greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world be careful for nothing fear not for in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be made known unto God let's worship him tonight can we Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.